As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. This is Nerder She Wrote with your host, Dave Dufour. With Mo DeKeel. Are you ready to be entertained? And Seth Hartnow. Hello and welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's the trade deadline, and that means it's Nerder. She wrote, we do this every year. I'm Dave DeFore, joined by Seth Partnow and Moda Keel, and our special guest, Andrew Schlecht, from the Slam and Jam. I almost said Saturday Slam and Jam, just, uh, uh, man. We're just slamming and jamming on the weekdays slamming and now. jamming, yeah. Guys, bigger question, bigger, no bigger question. Seth, you just took a big swig of coffee. How many cups of coffee has that been today? I lost count. Uh, That's not good. This I, I lost count. I, I cost. I, I lost count. Uh, five second round pick swaps ago. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, pretty big. Pretty big trade day as far as uh, moving parts. No. No huge names moving. I think most of those, you know, we saw move earlier in the season. Obviously, James Harden already traded. Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi. Uh, I want to start just with the team. That I think. Won the day, guys. Um, the New York Knicks continue to make smart moves and set themselves up for flexibility in the future. They they get Boyan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks from Detroit, and really they only gave up Quentin Grimes. I, I think overall this is a great trade, especially for right now when you consider the Knicks dealing with all these, you know, really bad injury luck. They get two guys who can come in, play immediately. You add two more ball handlers. Some positional flexibility with Boyan Bogdanovich allows you to slide him up to the four, which, of course, gets Josh Hart out of that position. And Boyan only makes $19 million next year, so you can keep him if you like him. This is a pretty good deal, I think, for the Knicks. I, I think it's a great deal for the Knicks, to be honest. like I felt like they were a kind of a wing player away from really being contenders. Now, I don't think Bogdanovich is fully that, but adding more scoring, another uh, a taller scorer in that sense, assuming when they're fully healthy, I think this was a great move for them. And the most important thing, again, is they kept the powder dry. Didn't include any first-round picks. I didn't feel like they lost anything major in their rotation. I didn't feel like it's a, a, a painful thing. I think when you just think of kind of the starting lineup of Jalen Brunson, OG, and Anobi, Bogdanovich, Randall, and uh, Hartenstein, like that's a 
fun freaking starting lineup. I don't think it's championship level, but I mean, the way the East is looking, it's conference finals level. I think that that we're also overlooking the fact that we don't know exactly how long Julius Randle is going to be out, and uh, especially given some of the, the the physical ailments that are afflicting a lot of the top East teams, the Knicks are like, hey, can we get to the two seed? Can can we, you know? And and I think that that having Bogdanovich being able to play those power forward minutes while Randall and and we're not exactly sure when Ananobi comes back either. I think so. It's both. It's both for like the immediate future, but also gives them a lot of a lot more juice uh, as just a, a playoff rotation. And like you said, Mo, I don't think they had to give up much to do it. I, I like Quentin Grimes. He hasn't had a great year, and he's. I mean, he's been hurt a little bit, and he's been. Uh, supplanted by various Villanova players uh, in, in their rotation, but they didn't really, um, you know, when, when this trade was first reported, it first came out that it was Quentin Grimes for Burks. And I was like, oh, wow, Detroit did something I liked. And then the other shoe dropped. And it was like, oh, no, they didn't. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to Detroit. This. We'll get to Detroit. Yeah, I, 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 have, I have a lot for Detroit. Like, I, I have yeah. a lot. So just, just. Yeah. Detroit did a lot today. Whether it was good or not, mm-hmm. debatable, mm-hmm. but they did a lot. We'll, dis- yeah. we'll discuss. Andrew, Boyan yeah. Bogdanovich is a guy that really, he could have fit with OKC. And, and we'll, OKC made a move uh, for a similar player, but he could have fit with OKC. Um, you see the fit with New York. I mean, I think it it makes so much sense. But the bigger thing is, Tibbs now has, I don't know, 10, 11 guys. I mean, he played a game the other night. What was it, six guys he played in the second half? He's got some yeah. guys now. Yeah, you can have a real rotation now with these guys. And they and they lost some scoring punch when they traded quickly in Barrett, and they've kind of replaced that and get to keep OG Ananobi. And like, I feel like this is like a real team now. Like, I really like what they've done, like Mo said, without trading any first-round picks because that's what we kind of expected for them. It's like they're going to get better. They're going to deal these excess first-round picks that they have in order to get better. And they didn't do that. So they maintain this flexibility. They become a better team. And like what they really needed was depth. Like ask anybody on that next roster, what do you need? Like somebody else that can play so that I'm not playing 40 minutes a game. You know, that that is really going to help if they can get healthy. I would just be wary of that because I still think Tibbs will play some of those guys oh, 40 yeah. minutes well, a game. Anyway. Think about how rare it is. True. Think about how rare it is in the NBA for a player to complain that he's playing too much. I mean, Josh Hart has been doing this for about a month now. I mean, poor yeah. Fred Katz. Like, I don't know. I, I, he's he's going to have to find another reason to talk to Josh Hart because Josh Hart has been telling him that he's playing too much. He hates playing the four. I think this solves a lot of problems for them. And Tom Thibodeau loves Alec Burks so much that he yeah. now has like, that's like a, it's almost like a comfort food. He can just say, hey, Alec Burks, go get me a bucket. This is, this is a team that I think not only did they set themselves up to, to weather this injury storm that they're currently going through. But I think both of these guys are going to help them in the playoffs. I mean, when have we ever heard a team say, oh, we just have too many guys that can dribble? Never. It's not in this, not in this league. <laughs> Maybe too many guys who like to dribble. But that's, that's not a problem. Exactly. No, 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 no. <laughs> you have too many guys that want to dribble. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. different story mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. But just the bigger picture for the Knicks is like, look, this is great for them right now. It sets them up nicely in the offseason. When they if when they want to make trades and whatnot, like look, Bogdanovich, if they're going to take a big swing, is a piece that they can include in some of those trades in the offseason and things like that. I think it really sets them up for the future. Like, hey man, like Leon Rose may not talk to the public very often or the media very much, but he's doing a hell of a job with the Knicks, and it's been a long, 
long freaking time since we could talk about the competency of the New York Knicks, and he's brought it to the organization since he's gotten there. It's hitting singles and doubles, and we've talked we talked about this for years on this show in particular, and we talked about it with the Knicks. Constantly swinging for home runs just left them with nothing, and this is I think they hit two doubles here. I mean, this is this is a really good trade for them from a roster construction, from a cap space perspective, from future flexibility standpoint. I mean, this is this is a it's a home run trade because they hit two doubles. I, I love it so much. The one thing you would say still looking at their team, and they're not the only team like this, but there is sort of they've got a lot of guards and a lot of bigger players. And in sort of the the mid-sized, it's basically OG Ananobi. And even he is a three, he's a three-four or a four-three. So that's just, you know, every, like I said, everyone in 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 the world is is sort of missing that that mid-sized guy. And that's that's I'd say where they're a little short, but those guys don't grow on trees and, you know, whatever we heard sort of asking prices were for the Mikhail Bridges of the world was was certainly not something that they were that they were going to meet, even if 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 Bridges was even uh, of Mikhail Bridges, Mo. Uh, no, no, I got that. But no, I, was, yeah. I, I have my finger because I want to derail the podcast because it's not yeah. in the rundown, but just the the overvaluing of your guys over the past few years has been such a massive problem. And this can slide us into what the hell is Detroit doing? I mean, last year they were so adamant. We have to have two first round picks for Bogdanovich. And then this year to get no first round picks for Bogdanovich, it's kind of like overplaying your hand. They could have gotten, I think a first round pick last year, if they were willing to actually play ball with moving Bogdanovich, a guy that didn't fit their team whatsoever. And we all kind of knew at some point they were going to trade. I just think there was, a level of that. And I think the same thing with the nets in terms of overvaluing bridges to a degree. Uh, and, and we've seen it across the board with a lot of teams at this deadline. We saw it last year. I think there's a lot of that stuff going around where teams need to kind of start being more realistic of the value of their guys and what they think they can get for them. And I think as a way of segueing into Detroit a little bit, um, I think the the flip side is one of their trade partners uh, not the trade they made with Detroit, but the trade they made with with, with Charlotte was Utah, where okay they got a, a, a with with uh, with with Toronto, where they got a first round pick for Kelly Olynyk, but they had to in, include a guy they drafted in the in the first round last year in Ochai Abaje, and you know okay that might hurt a little to give up on a guy, but all right, but we're still getting a good deal because we got a first round pick for for Kelly Olynyk and for a team in our spot kind of the, the upside of the mystery box is better for us than the, the even if, if we think Baji is going to become like a solid rotation wing, where we are as a team, that doesn't really help us. And I think that um, when you talk about overvaluing your players or overvaluing, misvaluing players even, considering who uh, Detroit brought in from Utah in Simone Fontecchio, I think that's sort of the situational value. The teams that understand that do well, and the teams that don't, don't. I, I'll say this. The Knicks are a good example of this with Quentin Grimes, right? They yeah. made the decision now instead of, you know, let's go and sign the contract and then try to make the trade. I, I think that this is, again, this is just good decision-making at every single level by the Knicks. And it's a nice surprise, right? Like it's a nice change of pace. This last few years has been refreshing. Let's swing it to Detroit. 
I was going to save them a little bit, but I, I feel like we, we just got too much meat on this bone and we might be nope. there for a while. Detroit Can't do it. continues to be just confusing. Um, Quentin Grimes, I think he's a good young player. He is going to take minutes away from their younger players that play the same position already. They're not confusing. They're confused. Yes, that stole my line. You bastard. You <laughs> bastard. Now on, I'm not doing the pointing thing. I'm just going to say my lines. That's <laughs> it. Damn you. Gotta, it's double dutch. Yeah. But but no, when you I, look I, at, I, like, again, we've made, we've made the jokes for a couple years about having all the centers. Now they're going to get all the combo guards. I, I just... It, there's there's a lot happening with with Detroit. Um, the Fontecchio deal uh, they, that they made yesterday, um, he's a good player, but they need that pick. Like th- this team should 30 be second taking, pick in the draft. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. really good pick for them, and, and I, I think that that's a huge mistake. Um, getting it, something, it's, it's not a it's not a huge mistake, but it's a it's an Ill- illustration that you don't know where you are or have any real plan to get to where you want to go. I mean, it's like some hand wavy stuff about, well, it allows us to put our guys in a good environment, yada, yada, yada. Sure. What environment? What environment? Yeah. To not play? To sit on the bench and watch Killian right. Hayes play? Like, what environment are we talking about now? We're gonna not talk anymore. About not Grimes. anymore, Mo. Hold on, hold on. And now we're going <laughs> to do the same thing with Quentin Grimes playing over Marcus Saucer. Like, what? what environment? Like yeah. that's the, that's the deal there. Like, you know, yeah, they, they moved Killian Hayes out and now it's just Quentin Grimes is going to get those minutes. I mean, it's also just, you think about it, a, a, a second year guy who has played most of his career in Europe is suddenly like your, your solid, you know, your, your solid piece you're, you're going to build around. I think we, I think we, it's a question we've gotten in a bunch of different mailbags and I'm not sure we've ever actually answered it is, is sort of like, it, it, does it actually work when teams try to showcase a player ahead of the trade deadline? And Fontecchio is like the best example I can think of right. a team successfully doing that in a long, long, long time. Yeah. And Fontecchio looked better in Utah because they knew how to use him and they mm-hmm. used him in a way that showcased every single good thing about his game. The Thunder have been good about this too. Like they know how to p- plug role players in. Like Isaiah Joe. Isaiah Joe has looked amazing in Oklahoma City because they know exactly what he does and they know exactly how to use him. Would Isaiah Joe look awesome everywhere else? Maybe not. Is Fintecchio going to look great in Detroit? I have my doubts as to what that's going to look like because there's not a plan there. You know, Maybe watch Kevin Knox look amazing in Utah. (laughs) Just, Just become like a player because he's playing with Will Hardy. I just think that having like a clear plan of how you're going to use these guys is such a huge deal that Detroit is just not getting. And they're going to be, oh, man, look what Fantecchio is doing over. Let's bring him over here. I will not be surprised if this is not a guy that's playing, you know, the last, like, 10 games because he's just not that guy. It's just it's, – it's, it's not even – the hard part about it, Andrew, with the way the season has gone with Detroit, he might not just be playing, not because they – whether he's that guy or not, just Monty doesn't want to play him. Like, that's yeah, kind of the way – that's that's sort of you're right on about having a plan in terms of when you're trading for a guy and how you're going to use them and plug it in. Monty might just go, eh, I don't feel like it. <laughs> like it's it's you know I know I'm dumping on him, but like you know uh, Seth Seth said it in in one of our chats. Like it's nice, it's good that they finally realize like, hey man, we don't need Killian Hayes anymore. You know, but it's sad that you wasted so many minutes on him. 
that should have gone to your other guys that needed to develop more important players that are more important to your organization at this point. If you didn't, if the organization didn't know who Killian Hayes was by coming into this season, I don't know what the hell they were watching. And I think that's really one of those massive problems. Like Detroit needs to make a turnaround. They need to start figuring out what they're doing. And I think the starting point is, is really just getting a handle of who the hell they are. And part of the handle is they're bad. And that means that like, I think our colleague James Edwards reported earlier in the year that they had a, uh, a, a, a trade in place in the offseason to move Hayes out to clear up some minutes for Jaden Ivey, for Marcus Sasser, and and Williams killed the trade. And because he liked the, the toughness or whatever, and it's just like, okay, you've got a you've got a it was it six, seven, eight year contract. You can take some L's this year by not having that. We're gonna we want to get a look at these guys, and they just they didn't do that. And this and now it's another wasted season for Detroit. And they you know they go into the off season. They've got guys they've got to make decisions on as far as extensions. And we don't know what Cade Cunningham is. I've been a big Cade. I, I I've been a big fan of Cade Cunningham's potential. I don't think we still know what he looks like as a, as a lead player. I think there's reasons to have some skepticism. We don't know what really what they don't know what Quentin Grimes is. Will they have enough chance to evaluate this season? They're going to go into next season, not knowing what Jaden Ivy is. They're going to go into the season after that, not knowing what Marcus. It's, it's just it. These things are just compounding on themselves. And for the team that was as talent and asset poor as any team in the league, can we really say that at this trade deadline, they've upgraded in either area? No, no. I mean, Quentin, Gr- look, Quentin Grimes is better than Killian Hayes. So congratulations. Yeah, but Alec, but he's not it. better than Alec Burks and, and Boyan Bogdanovich. Yeah, he's yeah. not. So I, I just, I, I mean, look, we can't contract the Detroit Pistons, right? Like we're, we're kind of stuck with them. But when you look, how do they get out of this hole that they've dug for themselves? I mean, is, is it all Cade? Is it Cade needs to be healthy and Cade needs to pop and then everything else will come up? Someone else needs to be doing the digging. I was going to say, you there can't you trust this front office yeah, to put, to put solid Jesus. players there. Seth, Seth, you really are. <laughs> I mean, again, how many cups of coffee? So I am like... Can we get you to have that many more cups of coffee every time we're doing that? I think we found the new baseline. Uh, I want to swing I want uh, to swing to Charlotte uh, and start with OKC, though. So OKC picks up Gordon Hayward. This is a great pickup. This is the just the sort of guy that I kind of expected they would go after if he plays, if he can be healthy. He's got good size. They need some size, especially on the wing. They just need a guy, a bigger body. And Mo, I want to go to you first because you've been hamp- uh, you've been hollering all season. They need a big. They need a big. They need some size. They didn't get it. Is this is this a failure at trade deadline day for them? I mean, I think uh, failure is probably a strong word, but they just didn't get done what they needed to get done. Like, listen, Gordon Hayward's fine if he plays. He's only played 25 games this year. He hasn't played more than 70 games since freaking 1982. I don't know, like uh, uh, 2019. But, like, it's it's he rarely plays. He's, uh, he's very unreliable in terms of health and all that stuff. And the prime of Gordon Hayward? Yeah, that is great. And I think we all love what that would have been. But I don't know if that's what you're getting there. And they don't necessarily even need that from him. But look, man, like I watched this team up close against the Clippers. They looked out outmatched size wise. I think when you're in a conference, when you got to go up against Denver and yes, they're one and three versus or the three and one versus Denver this season. I still don't think that matters come playoff time. You you up against the Lakers. The Lakers have beaten them twice already. And that's a really 
pretty bad team. I think, you know, you're you're up against so much size in the Western Conference. Like, Chet can't do it all alone in that sense. There were so many guys I wish, and maybe they're possible, maybe the trades weren't there, but I wish they went after guys and they had enough assets there. I didn't feel like they needed to make a massive trade, but they needed to go get a big guy in that sense, a guy that can get rebounds for them, a guy that can help them board, help them defend a little bit more at the rim and kind of just help Chet out. So he doesn't have to do it all. Uh, just a quick aside. I think that the, that there's been some research in the past that them being three and one versus the Nuggets uh, historically that indicates a slightly higher percentage chance than if you just took the teams overall. Like I think it's probably gives them about a two high, two percent higher chance of winning a series than you would just based on sort of who has home court and the team's overall resume. So it's not nothing, but it's not, as you say, it's not a massive deal. Um, I think that uh, that you know the the uh, a move that we liked for the team that made it was the Xavier Tillman pickup, and right. that like OKC doing something like that. I think a guy who would have been really interesting for them. Uh, and speaking of teams that that you know are not you know kind of the opposite of Detroit, who, who's mashing buttons, a team that's kind of has unplugged the controller is is the Bulls and Andre Drummond. Would have been, I think, a, a really interesting uh, you know. Option Mo got there. me on the Jakob Pertl train. And I think that that could have been a really good pick. I mean, Mo, Mo just said that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that fits. That actually is is kind of right because he doesn't have to start. You know, it still allows them to play their way. And, you know, Andrew, look, all year long, you've said the Thunder, they like who they are. They like their guys. They like how they play. And if they brought someone in, it needed to be maybe a Kelly Olenek type that could fill that, you know, stretch role, move the ball, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You still feel good about that? I mean, they're at the top of the West right now. I mean, you have to feel pretty good about it. They've they've been really good, and they, and they know it's not like you ask the front office like, "Hey, what are you guys going to do about the rebound?" They they know that the rebounding is a problem. They the thing is, they were never going to deal for an Andre Drummond, Xavier Tillman type of guy. Like they just never were. They want to play the way they play, and you have to be that kind of guy. And that's why Hayward makes sense for them because like he can shoot past dribble. He can play within the flow of their offense. That's what they they wanted more of that, and basically they dealt away guys that weren't going to play in the playoffs or a guy that could potentially play in the playoffs. Now, is this like a home run for them? I don't think it's a home run for them. I think it's a good trade for them because they traded guys that weren't going to play plus a couple seconds to get a guy who could potentially fill a role for them. If he's hurt, would anybody be surprised? No, no one would be surprised. But they have guys that they still like there. Mostly what they wanted to do going into this year for the playoffs is to see what they have. They want to see what these guys are in the playoffs. Not, I mean, this group ha- has not been in a playoff game together yet. You know, Shea Gilders Alexander has been in the playoffs twice, but not as the main guy. And so what is what does that look like? How does Chet fare in the playoffs? What what does this look like? They want to play five out. They want to just dribble drive people to death. That's what they want to do. If you put a big guy in the middle of that, honestly, we don't even know what it looks like because they just have never even done it. Like, and they don't want to do it. And so if you want to be a if you want a big man in Oklahoma City, make it a big man that can shoot. Because that's that's what they want there. That's how they want to organize their offense. They don't want a like traditional Clint Capella, Pirtle, rim running kind of big that's going to be in the paint. But they just don't. Yeah, I think that's short-sighted on a lot of levels, and I want to break it down on a couple ways because it's this sense of, like, I'm with you. They don't need to – like, everybody who was saying they needed to make a massive trade I thought was 
out of their deck. They do need to see what these guys have. But also give yourself a chance to, hey, man, maybe we can have a big run. You're, you just said it. You're on top of the West, but we're going to use this playoff as an exploratory sort of situation. You don't know what's on the other side. You don't know what next season brings. You don't know where that yep. stuff goes. When you have the chances, you go for it. I think the one thing that they're missing and that I think that everybody in OKC is missing is playoff versatility matters. And it's huge. You cannot sure. play one way in the NBA playoffs. You can't. We've seen it too many times from guys because this is what they're going to learn. Teams are going to lock down. They're going to figure out how they go. It's a big difference when you get to play a lot of teams on the second night of a back-to-back or whatnot or, you know, whatever. Like, it's it's playoffs are so different in that environment. It's much more controlled. And teams get to scout a lot harder and a lot tougher. And you're right. They don't know what they have in these guys. But you're already mm-hmm. on top of the West. You're you, you, It's a three-way, almost four-way tie by half a game for that. So you don't know where you're going to end up in that sense. But you're probably going to have home court advantage in the first round at the very least, if not more. Give yourself a chance. And again, not you didn't have to make a massive haul in that sense. And if the idea is, hey, we're only looking at bigs who can shoot threes, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot. Because I think you need to have a rim runner. You think it makes a big difference. It also makes Shea's life a little bit easier. It also makes guys like Giddy's life a little bit easier. Uh, 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 Jalen Williams' life easier when they come off the pick and roll and having a lob threat. It also sucks in the defense and it kicks out to your shooters in all of those situations. Like there's a lot of things there. Just have an idea and, and having one big won't clog the lane. But I promise you. I promise you. I've done enough <laughs> scouting. I've done it. I've done the homework. It won't. It won't. It won't clog the lanes where there'll be no driving lanes for Shea. I and also, it's a curveball, right? Like it, it's if you if you're playing smaller, stretch the floor faster, having a big that you can bring in that you can trust. I mean, it's a it's a curveball. It it means that you know, like when you go against the Denver Nuggets, you've got someone to throw at Jokic because Chet is not going to be able to do that. And, and I don't think they've got a, a four like Gordon Hayward if he's playing the four, not going to be able to do it. So. Again, like it's yeah. not about this season. I mean, the, and, the way they, I understand the way they not dealt, giving up stuff, yeah. right? Yeah, but they weren't going to give up anything, and they also weren't yeah. going to. They, they also don't deal with Jokic with one guy. You know, it's always by committee, and that's how their their paint defense has been for the last few years. It's like all by committee. It's all like double and scramble. It's like the way that they do it. I mean, it the the way they defend too. I mean, I just don't think, and and maybe they eventually will do this, is acquire somebody who plays different than they do. I don't think they were going to do that at this deadline. And I don't, and I certainly don't think they were going to acquire a big who doesn't play the way that they play at this deadline. I, so. I mean, I'm, I, I, I get what you're saying. And I, and I think Mo was very astute in pointing out that, and you guys were both in that, you know, figuring out, okay, how does this style look? How does Shea look like as the dude in a playoff mm-hmm. series? How does Chet like hold up to the physicality of, of the playoffs? That's valuable information. I think that, uh, some of the better moves we saw, like a lot of the better moves we saw aside from the Knicks were sort of kind of small ball, situational, put the club in the bag moves. And I think Boston made a couple of those. And I think that's much more what we're we're talking about than like send a, you know, send a, a first round pick. I mean, it's a team that's a wash sure. in first and second round picks. Would it, would what does it re- what would it really have cost them if they had made the same offer that Boston did for Xavier Tillman, for example, just to have that club in the bag 
uh, to say, all right, Chet, we're going to give you 10 minutes tonight where you don't have to get get banged on by by Jokic in, mm-hmm. in the post on defense every possession. Like just having that, I think, would have some value to them. And uh, I, I do think that they are smart to like be a little bit circumspect because uh, the Clippers and the Nuggets are right there at the top, know who they are. That's not going to be forever. Now they have an opportunity yeah. this year, but they have several years of opportunity. So I understand not like, well, if we backed up the truck, could we get Scotty Barnes or something like that? Um, right. I also think they want to go the complete other direction that everybody thinks they should go, and they've and they kind of have done this when they've played the Timberwolves, and it's worked sometimes, and it hasn't worked other times. But instead of like a big spelling, Chet, they just play Kenrich at the five. And they yeah. and they like that look and like statistically that look that look has been really good for them over the last two seasons and so they would almost like rather just go the exact other way than what everybody thinks they should do and and I think there's just like a genuine curiosity of what happens when we do this does it and, and maybe the answer is it doesn't work you know and I think that there's a distinct possibility that it won't and honestly. If the Thunder don't win the championship, the the inclination is this, that everybody's going to say the rebounding and the size is the problem. No matter what happens, that's going to be where people turn when the Thunder inevitably lose in the playoffs at some point mm-hmm. this year. Like That's going to happen, and it may be right. It may be the right answer, but I'm just curious to see the way that it plays out. I would just say, just look at Toronto trying to play last season without a center. I think we know the answer. <laughs> Yeah, and it, by the way, it, it I, I will say this of, of the organizations that are doing experiments. I mean, I think OKC has probably like earned the right to be able to experiment a little bit without too much scrutiny. Not that we don't scrutinize it, but you know what I mean? It's just uh, they're it's a longer term process and they've made good decisions. I just think they could have given themselves more of a chance without it actually affecting anything long term. And yeah. I think that was and, and you know, it's it was a simple move. And. If you didn't like the way it looked, don't play the guy. <laughs> like that, yeah. that's, I think, I think that's totally fair. I think yeah. it's totally fair. I think the guy that I would have gone after, and it didn't cost a whole lot to get him, and the Thunder actually ended up moving one of these picks anyways, was for Kelly Olenek. Mm-hmm. Like if they were, instead of like trying to get involved in this Mavs deal, which I think they actually ended up in a really good spot with <laughs> yes. what they got. You're heading there next. Trade. Yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. We'll it's pretty there. absurd. Uh, we'll go there. But I think you could have also like, if you wanted to push in a little bit more this year, you could have flipped that pick for Olenek because obviously that's that's what it cost. You know, mm-hmm. it cost them. It's that other pick which nobody wants. Apparently, it's been flipped like five times since last summer, uh, but it fi- finally ended up in Utah. But you could have gotten him, and I think he's the kind of guy who's he kind of is the intersection of all these things like size. You know, he can shoot, he can pass, he can handle a little bit, he can do all these like little things that the Thunder want their big guys to do. Uh, but he ends up where all the Canadians go. So Just, that one doesn't make any sense. Um, the other side of this trade, Charlotte, um, Seth, this was uh, not a not a good trade for for Charlotte. I, it feels like it feels like negative value for for an expiring contract. Um, I mean, I guess give or take what you think of of Trey Man as you know, with again one like you know, up for an extension starting next season with half a season to evaluate him and then taking on money, like not a ton of money, but still taking on money next year 
from Bertans and 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 uh, and, and it was Mis- uh, Mitic um, yeah. was uh, um, so like you know it, it we we often say well it's better to get something for nothing than an expiring sometimes you can get less than nothing and from from where I sit it feels like they got negative value uh, for for moving off of Hayward's expiring. I'm just ah on Charlotte. Yeah, like I, I just ah, consensus. Like okay, I don't well, know what else to say. Let's use this as an opportunity to swing back to to another trade involving the OKC Thunder and the Hornets and the Mavericks. PJ Washington goes to Dallas, um, and as a part of their trade for Daniel Gafford between the Mavs and the Wizards, this is complicated. Sorry, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to piece this together in my head. They rope they roped OKC in. And uh, what's the pick swap, Andrew? It was the 2028 first, the Mavericks 2028 yes. first. Yeah. So, so the Mavs didn't, don't have any other picks to trade. Right. So they can only trade swaps. And so they have traded what I think is an unprotected swap because like the, the release doesn't say anything about a protection. I, I don't think I don't they, know. I don't, I don't know. know if they can protect it because they have the 2029. Is that unprotected that went out or? I, or do they still would, have that I'll, pick? I'm so confused. I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm gonna pull I think it they sure. the swap. Uh, um, the, they could protect the swap weights, but this means the the net for Dallas. This means that they have the the 2027, which is could be the year after Luca forces a trade. Top two protected swap going out, and the mm-hmm. 2028 when Luca could have left in free agency the year before going out. I, again, there might be protection on it that hasn't come out yet, but still, those are those are those are those are big chips to to throw out there. Yeah. Given given that it hasn't all been exactly smooth sailing, and there's new ownership in Dallas, and so I, who who knows which way that cuts. So it, it, right. it a, some risky uh, second straight deadline of some riskiness from from the Mavericks. I think we can say. And for that, so they get Daniel Gafford from from the Wizards, and they get PJ Washington from the Hornets. Uh, Grant Williams and Seth Curry going to Charlotte. Uh, Grant Williams had an awful season in Dallas. Just it has not been very good. He coming off the summer injury, came in out of shape. See if he he you know can regain his form. But really, this trade, I mean, it's about Dallas. Dallas is going. They're going all in with the rim running big. And I think PJ Washington, maybe we get to see him a little bit at at the five, uh, a little bit of small ball five, stretching the floor, running with Luca. Um, how do you guys like this deal? I'll start with Mo. I I mean I don't like all the stuff they gave up. I mean, yes. The Grant Williams stuff and Seth Curry fine, but like the pick stuff is is a massive problem with all of that stuff. I kind of like PJ Washington, so I don't I don't mind it. I'd like to see him in a more competitive environment, and let's see how he kind of does in that situation i think gafford has a lot of overlap with Derek lively i don't know if i necessarily uh would have went running for him uh in that sense but like i mean it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for them i just think dallas is in such a difficult position and they're so afraid of pissing off luca at this point that like they're they're kind of just trying to all right, let's try to make these moves and hope it works and and hopefully pj washington's going to be good and on a good team and 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 you know we'll we'll be able to kind of say like look we got some pieces around us but it's going to be a little bit tough sledding for them it's just kind of like a it's like a C to me like I like the player but like man I don't know what else it really brings to you 
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I, I think that's... A lot. Their moves always seem like they're half about tying up the loose end of the last move they made, and and that's always that's always kind of a tough place to be. Um, I agree with Mo. PJ Washington has been a player that I've I've always been intrigued by. Uh, the idea of him as as a five has always been much better than the actuality of him. He's a guy who can stretch the floor a little. He can rim protect a little. It's just. It, it has never really actually been that good with him at the five. Um, and again, not exactly a prime environment for how this could possibly work out for most of his career in Charlotte, but, um, but it's not a, it's not a slam dunk in those terms. Um, so, uh, you know, anxious to see this. I mean, he, he could be, I mean, I think you're hoping that he almost gives them what Maxi Kleba was, about three years ago. Yeah, just more consistent, right? Like, right. and not yeah. scared to shoot, which yeah. has been a, a Achilles heel for, for Maxi. Uh, Andrew Gafford would have been a pretty good guy. Like, in my opinion, he, he would have been a pretty good guy for OKC. You know, as far as if you were going to have a big who was maybe a spot star. Just because he's tall? Whatever. Is it because he's, he's tall? tall? He's also a pretty good defender. Like, he protects the rim well. And this is where Dallas, yeah. I think he helps them the most. Uh, yeah. uh, and him and P.J. Washington can play together. It's, it's, this is a good pickup for them. Yeah, I think it's I like a Gafford. C, but it's good. I think I like Gafford better than P.J. Washington here in Dallas just because I think he'll, like, that role is, is easy. Like, we've seen it work. We know what it looks like. It's going to be great. PJ Washington, I'm interested to see. He likes to he likes to have the ball in his hands quite a bit, and I just wonder what that looks like in Dallas because well, he won't have the ball. Won't, that that, that, that <laughs> won't even be an option. I don't think I he know. has to worry about well, that. Well, yeah. and I'm looking at the numbers. I mean, he's 34 percent catch and shoot. Period. Not this great. season, okay, but he's 30, also like 33. 33 free point, and I know he's going to get better looks yeah. from Luca and Kyrie. I I totally get that. I. I'm just saying, I want to see it before I feel good about PJ Washington in Dallas, because it has. He's not exact. He he doesn't. He hasn't played this style really, and and because we you talked about this earlier, Dave. Like, there's not a style in <laughs> in Charlotte, and no. so putting him into like a style of play where it's like, hey, things are going to be pretty limited. Like here here are the things we need you to do. Like we're going to put you in a box, and you have to play in this role because this is the this is the superstar. You know, the guys who play next to the superstars in Dallas, this is how you have to play. And maybe he thrives in it. Maybe he catches fire from the corners and becomes a guy that can really help them. I also just wonder if he's like a tweener in the wrong way in this area. I, I think that it's hard for a guy that like really can't defend fives that well and maybe can't defend fours that well either to function in this league. I feel like he's kind of like the uh, 
He's kind of like a Morris twin, like a modern day Morris twin. Uh, watch out! Johnson. Watch your back! Watch your back, dude. Is is what, <laughs> is what it sounded like you were describing? Is more of like a, a like a like a like a a cut rate John Collins, and it's a similar yeah. thing. John Collins yeah. is a better, more established player, and I think that's right. That's and the, more athletic. Yeah, and I think that's sort of a little bit the box that John Collins has mm-hmm. has been been in for a lot of his career as well. I, I just think, again, there's also a nice little uptick when you go from Charlotte to Dallas. Like, there's going to be a little <laughs> bit more, like, you know, you you think about the shots he is going to get, the opportunities in terms of when, yeah, he may not get to handle the ball as much, but his looks are going to be a lot more open, you know? And if he can get that percentage up to 37%, I think we'd be like, damn, all right, this was good, you know? And I think that helps them out a bunch. So it's going to be interesting. It'll see how it plays out. But it's also just a trade where it's like, cool. I don't think this makes Dallas any more different, you know, in, in the playoffs yeah. than, than what they're going to be. Like, I don't see it as like, oh, man, now Dallas is a problem. Like, I just don't see right. that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think for to, to, to finish up on the, the Hornets guys, I think, I, I mean, as it, you know, Andrew's alluding to that uh, we've seen, you know, guys suddenly playing real games again. Like maybe we can almost call it the Boris Diaw effect, right? He looked mm-hmm. very done. And so that applies, I think, both to P.J. Washington and to, to Gordon Hayward as well, I think, that there's a yeah. chance that like just, you know, that's got to be one of the – that arena on a home night has got to be one of the most depressing places to mm-hmm. go out. And I warmed up and 60% of the fans are for the other team and 30% of the fans are empty seats. And the oh, other it's... Bank of America employees – yeah, yeah. I mean, the only, the only, the only promise though is is Brandon Miller. He's been really good for them. He's been like, great. if you watch yeah. him lately, he's been really yeah. good. Well, and I think like that's I their promise. Like you know, like let's. I kind of wish they got rid of everybody. Like literally, <laughs> just just said, man, like everybody gone. Like just sink yo, the boat. He, no, but seriously, like I kind of just wish they did. They they and said we're going to just focus. Kind of what Toronto tried to do. Like we're just going to focus on Brandon Miller. And that's, and that's our guy now. Like, cause I think you see a lot there in that sense. Like there's a chance for Charlotte. I just hope they figure that out. Yeah. Um, let's swing back to the East cause some contenders made some moves. I want to start with Philly. Uh, obviously the Joel Embiid, uh, injury is the biggest thing lingering over that team, but they made a couple moves. They shipped Pat Beverly to Milwaukee for campaign in a move that I don't really understand. Uh, but they also traded for Buddy Heald. Furkan Korkmaz out of town. They get Buddy Heald. And at full health, this team is going to score so many points. Buddy Heald might be the best shooter Joel Embiid's played with. Like as far as the catch and shoot like guy. Oh, you know what? That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. Somewhere JJ somewhere was like, what? You consider the volume and, and, the, and the shots that he takes, he'll, he'll's up there, man. Like he's a very good shooter, but I appreciate you reminding me of JJ. Yeah. <laughs> man. Uh, but, but you see like the vision here. Uh, it makes so much sense to add that kind of shooting on, on the perimeter. Joel has to come back. Like, I mean, this is just, this, this move, I mean, it doesn't matter for this season unless he comes back. I, my assumption is they're going to sign him this summer. Uh, he'll healed as a free agent this summer. My assumption is they'll bring him back. But none of it matters if Joel's not healthy. I don't think they can operate any other way. Like, they, like you know, you're trying to win a championship. All right. If he's not right, we're not winning a championship. Right. So, 
let's zero like that might affect how much like you're willing to put in in a trade in terms of like the equity of the bet but in terms of the kinds of bets you're looking at the upside is if joel is healthy and and so i think that that that's the only way to look at it and they didn't really give up a they didn't really give up a ton and you know some of the smaller moves they made they the moving daniel house moving jaden springer uh, and I think that the 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 Beverly for campaign move is sort of uh, uh, signaling this is they've they've put themselves in the position they got enough under the apron to be able to sign I think two buyout guys. So I think that they think they're probably getting Kyle Lowry and somebody else. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's right. They cut uh, Daniel House. To throw that out there. A little bit of housekeeping. No, they traded him to Detroit. Who that? Who who, who cut right, him? Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> Detroit just cutting a lot of people, man. Yeah. Just yeah. just going. Um, no, I like Buddy Heald for them. I think the you know, Dave, you alluded to it. Best shooter they've had since JJ Redick. Since JJ. And I think that, and, and I think that's a good one. Another guy that can kind of he can attack the closeout, put it on the floor a little bit. Smart player, good good movement guy, and kind of keep the the stuff going there. And and. You know, we all know, and Seth said it, you said it, man, if Joel Embiid comes back, great. That, I mean, if they're not winning anything if he doesn't. And mm-hmm. I think they're, they, they, they had to operate that way in that sense. I like what they're doing. I think them clearing two buyout pl- spaces besides Kyle Lowry means they know one other guy that's getting bought out that they kind of want. And it's not that this legal endorses tampering at all in any way, shape, or form, or that we have such a show named for that on our uh, <laughs> yeah, podcast totally network. Fun. But I'm sure there's been a couple of signals sent out you know, in terms of who's going to be out there. I mean, I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on and how they'll kind of improve it from there. And, you know, campaign's not going to do much for them. Well, and the thing about the buyout market that we should just reiterate is that the new CBA makes it very difficult for the top teams to be in the buyout market. So this is actually pretty smart move by Daryl Morey to, to get himself in a position to be able to pick up a couple of guys with less competition. Like this are the, are they the best team that has the ability to get a buyout? I mean, just off the top of your head, it feels like it. Yes. Yeah. Is, yes. Does Phoenix have that ability or no? No, uh, they I don't. don't. They're out. They're out. Uh, they, uh, it, it's, we'll have to see how it shakes out with, with all the, the trades guys, and the stuff. With like all that. the guys they sent you, out in, with, in like the Roddy, the Roddy portion of the trades that they made. So, so maybe, but it's not, it's not clear yet. I love the phrase, the Roddy portions of the trades. <laughs> <laughs> um, Indiana here, look, I, I understand that you have to make these moves uh, based on the future and, and that they're likely to lose Buddy Heald for nothing. But they got worse. And it's a team that I, I don't know that they got a playoff run in them, you know, but they definitely don't, like I don't think they've got enough juice now to make a playoff run. Uh, Doug McDermott, who they picked up from, from the Spurs, that does not replace what Buddy Heald did. Um, and again, I understand it, you know, the NBA, you got to think longer term. Uh, but I don't, I mean, Andrew, like I hate, I just hate to see a team that's been so good and fun kind of cut that a little short. Yeah, I do too. I mean, they made the Siakam move, which feels mm-hmm. felt like an all in move. And then they made this move that was like, well, we're, we're, we're still all in, but only kind of, I, I don't love it because they're, they're in position to be there at the four or five. They dealt for McDermott to kind of like fill that void for in the shooting role. But you're right. Like he doesn't provide the same amount of shooting. Like he's not going to get, not going to shoot as many threes as buddy did. And so I don't love it. I think that buddy helped them kind of play their style because he would take so many threes and he did space the floor. 
So I'm with you. I think that got worse. Uh, I think it was a good, like, if we're just like praising people for asset management, like, okay, good job for asset management. But I, but I don't love it for this season in particular. I think that, I mean, we, we've talked about freeing up minutes and I think Aaron Neesmith has been really good this year. Andrew Nemhard has given yeah. them some stuff. Getting more from, from Matherin is, is, is probably, or getting more of a look at Matherin is probably good too. But I think above all, it might signal that they, reading tea leaves here, might signal that they kind of are being cautious, maybe even pessimistic about uh, Tyrese Halliburton's health the rest of the year. Because mm, in yeah. much the same way that like, you know, Philly's doing nothing without Embiid healthy. If, if like Hallie is so central to that team, I mean, he might be like on a Luca level with as, as, uh, as integral to everything a team does uh, for any team in the league. And, and, you know, hamstrings are tricky. And so it might signal that this guy's a free agent. We're probably, you know, we don't want to push this guy this year because we don't want to turn this into a long-term thing. So that may, that may be a factor into their thinking as well. Yeah, I, I'm not too. It's just like an eh, yeah, for them in that situation. Like I think they know their situation and know the injury situation better than anybody else. And it's not like them losing Buddy Heald doesn't, I think, make the difference for them. Four or five. I mean, they replaced it with McDermott. And you guys are right; he's not at that level or not. But I think the them knowing their situation was probably the, them being more realistic, and you know. That's I, I applaud a team for being realistic for once in the NBA. Can I ask you guys about being realistic? Sure. Does Pat Beverly realistically help the Bucks defense enough to to put them back into that you know top two in the East? He's better than campaign. He's better than anybody they've had on their roster, like on the perimeter defensively. He's annoying. He's you know, like I think to his the amount he helps defensively is overstated um, to a degree and whatnot. But he does bring a little more tenacity, a little more toughness. Like, hey guys, like we we laugh and we make fun of him all the time, but like he was the fire for the a dead Bulls team last year that made its way into the playing tournament. Now, granted, maybe they should have sucked and again gotten rid of everything um but like he can bring some juice to them and at least fire guys up to a degree so i don't know if it moves them into a one-two spot or whatnot i think it's okay but like this was a team that desperately needed to add at least something at least somebody that somewhat cared defensively and i think they got that in in pat beverly and he gets reunited with his long lost friend doc (laughs) you mean 40 minutes of jay crowder isn't doing it for you mo Discover the latest collections from David Yerman, as seen recently, styled on basketball stars like Jaime Jaquez, Jalen Green, D'Angelo Russell, and others. David Yerman is a celebrated American jewelry company inspired by the beauty of art, architecture, and the natural world. The story of David Yerman begins in New York City with David, a sculptor, and his wife, Sybil, a painter and ceramicist. When the artists began collaborating, their goal was to simply make beautiful design objects to wear. Over 40 years later, the Yermans and their son Evan continue to redefine American luxury jewelry with timeless modern collections for women and men defined by inspiration, innovation, consummate craftsmanship, and cable, the brand's artistic signature. David Yerman's collections are available on davidyerman.com. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Who? <laughs> yeah, no, the I mean the the backup point guard, those backup one minutes, uh with with I don't I don't think they there were times in the past where they would sort of try to get away with like ball handling with Giannis and Middleton. And I think that especially as Middleton has aged and, and lost some some athleticism, that's probably not tenable anymore. And like the backup one minutes with Lillard out of the game have been so disastrous for them that like it's not it's 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 almost as much about filling that hole as it is about specifically what what Beverly brings. I th- like you, we we've heard a bunch about like who like the kinds of players they're right, going after like you know uh, a Bruce Brown, a Chris Dunn, a Najee Marshall. Like those all would have been better pickups, but in the at the end of the day, like they were pretty limited in what they could offer and. They didn't give up. They, they they didn't really give up much. And Pat Beverly's an upgrade, and didn't cost them a whole ton going forward, and makes them better. And they still are sort of going to rely on the fact that they defend just well enough. And and Giannis and Dame is otherworldly on offense, and that's still their their path to a title. So they they did they solve their problems? No. Did they kind of shore up a little? Not not much of yeah. a needle mover for you, Andrew. No, but it it's better than campaign. I mean, if if they're if they're basically bringing campaign, Pat Connaughton, AJ Green off the bench, which has been like kind of their rotation. Bobby Portis too when they're healthy. It's a it's an upgrade. Is it enough of an upgrade for me to feel better about them in the playoffs? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a little bit. You know, it, it's really it's going to be up to Lillard and Giannis at the end of the day with what happens, and if he can come in and just cause a little bit of havoc in a playoff game great you know but i'm i'm thinking maybe one or two games that it's gonna be oh man pat bev was the difference you know it's not like gonna be like for a full series (laughs) right um all right and and then finally let's talk about phoenix uh phoenix makes a couple moves they pick up royce o'neal and david roddy who you know Gonna play huge playoff minutes for them because they play off body roddy they can get on the wing um and, you know, the Yuta Watanabe winds up in Memphis and uh, they send out some picks. So for Phoenix, I mean, this is a, they, they've been looking much better since their guys got healthy and are playing together. Um, Royce O'Neal makes a lot of sense for them. Good pickups. I think you're making fun of and missed the big playoff body, Roddy. Oh no no! I'm not making fun no, of anything. <laughs> I think I think you're. Making I know what fun the playoffs are going to look uh, like. No, it's it was a good it was a good it was good Royce pickup. O'Neal's a good pickup for them mm-hmm. and what they needed and everything that they you know again just a guy that can spread the floor a little bit can defend a little bit in all that sense like here's the thing most of these trades throughout the entire trade deadline none of them really moved the needle for me apart from the Knicks trade but none of them really moved the needle where I'm like whoa. I think smart teams shored up what they needed to do. I think other teams kind of added some stuff. Some teams were still kind of curious what the hell they're doing. And and I think, you know, for Phoenix, you just put them in the category of, look, they added, they added something that they, they needed. I don't know how much that lifts them up 
into their uh, into the stratosphere. They gave up very little, right? I mean, yeah. and they got a guy who's going to play in the playoffs. It's there's a little question of 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 where he, he O'Neill is in that that category of players who certainly their their defensive reputations probably linger a little too. I'm not saying he's a bad defender now, but I don't think I don't think he's the defender he was, you know, when uh, from his time in Utah. Neither were example. you. Well, I mean, I would. <laughs> I mean, you. I mean, you know, there's, there's a, there's always so low you can sink. So I, like, I'm, I was already at rock bottom. So, um, but yeah, no, and then, and then, you know, Roddy, I just, you know, quick stat on that. Uh, how many players who've played at least a thousand minutes this year have a lower true shooting percentage than David Roddy? <laughs> Oh, no. Man, he's just catching strays. The dude this didn't ask to be traded, man. They, they traded him. Even my dog. Well, did. wait till you wait. wait till, I mean, uh, two. Uh, Scoot Henderson, who's kind of got a mulligan given rookie point guard ball in his hands and hurt. And the other one is, and this this is this is this is delicious to me. Is Killian Hayes. So, oh, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> one last shot on the way out, man. Hey, like, I feel for one for more Roddy missed now. shot on the way out. <laughs> yeah, uh, the thing about Royce O'Neal, he's like um, not a three and D. He's like a two point seven and a lowercase D at this point in his career, right? Um, yeah. he'll hit the open ones. Royce O'Neal, uh, Tory Craig, light. Yeah, I I I worry a little bit about their size on the wing because. They basic like is Devin Booker their biggest wing now? He might still be their best defensive wing. Yeah, I think he. I think he, that's the guy you have to throw at a guy. Well, I Josh think I Kobe. would agree with that. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but these guys are just smaller. Like they're all six five and shorter, and O'Neal's a part of that group now. And they actually traded away the guys that were like their six foot nine, six ten guys in the yeah, deal. Not that they were going to help. It's they're all I know. <laughs> They're not, they weren't going to help a lot, but yeah. I'm just saying that it's hard to win in this league when like the only big guys on your team are like the big guy. You know, it's if these guys are all six, five and shorter, I just I think that's I think that's really tough, especially if they get matched up with a team like the Clippers. I don't know. I think that that's a that's a tough that's a tough deal for them. I mean, that 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 die was cast when they made the Beal trade. Yeah, that was they put themselves in. Sure. Sure. I just wonder if they, I mean, and maybe they didn't have enough to get a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, but that's the kind of like wing that they could have used that had a little bit more size. Yeah, but that goes to, I think, the Nets, again, asking price being way higher than it needed to be. Yeah. And I think that's the case with a lot of teams. And I think that's also why a lot of teams didn't, like Washington, didn't have the fire sale we thought they were going to have. Yeah, right? Atlanta, I think, yeah. I think they know there's going to be more opportunities in the offseason. For these mm. guys, and 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 a lot of those guys are are not free agents. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on on some of them, but you know, I think that's the thing. I think that's part of the reason why the Lakers made the calculus that they made to stand pat. Hey, we can probably get better players in the offseason when we can trade more of our picks, and I think that was a better opportunity for them. And I think that's why they went the route they did. And I think Phoenix just did what they could. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of the teams that, that stood pat at the deadline. And we'll start with the Lakers just because you were just talking about them. They didn't make a move like they did last year that propelled them to the Western Conference Finals. The team is, I mean, it's obviously flawed. They're going to go down the stretch with D'Angelo Russell as, I guess, getting a, a good chunk of the point guard minutes. He's had a good few weeks and they took him off the market. Uh, 
the Lakers, like they can't get into the buyout market. So this is just who they are. I mean, is that good enough? Probably not. Right. I mean, Mo, Mo no. made a face. and was, no, it's not good. <laughs> is there an hourglass emoji that has no sand in it? Like this there's is, no, there's, yeah, we, we, I just don't know what they're doing. No, it's not about, it's not about that. Like, Let's just be honest. Like, how much did you really think that Jante Murray would fix that stuff? Like, in, in in all honesty, I actually think it was smart of them to not make the move. You know, I know everybody gets all tired with the Lakers star chasing and everything like that, but they're LA. That's what they do. And they read they read the floor, and I think they they read it accurately. And believe me, you guys know not a lot more things I love to do than crush the Lakers. And the fact that they read it and said, Hey, we can probably add more assets to the trade value and get a better player than DeJounte Murray. We wait till the off season. Why are we going to continue to throw good money on a bad team? And I think that's just a smart calculus that they made. I actually think it was a situation there where I don't think there's a trade out there that would lift them up the way there was last season. And I think that's the situation they, they found themselves in. And, you know, of course, D'Angelo Russell shot, unbelievably well i promise you all of his powers are gone as soon as the clock hit three eastern today like he was awful in atlanta though i just want to point out he yeah. was awful in atlanta so, right when those trade rumors started coming ter- terrible showcase by the way terrible <laughs> showcase that's where he was trying to end they were going to try to ship him off to atlanta like, <laughs> it's the opposite of simone fontecchio um i mean so you know they just they wait till the summer lebron's 40 next season like it, it, the expectation that LeBron is going to be able to do this forever. I understand that we keep saying, oh, he can't do this forever. And he just does. But uh, at what point do you just say, oh, okay, we just got to try now. Just to just to clarify, by the way, the Lakers uh, can play the buyout market. And so oh, they can. Seeing, okay, thank you. We're already seeing that like they're a likely home for Spencer Dinwiddie, who is, who's uh, getting bought yeah. out by, who's going to get bought out by the Raptors because he's got like a, uh, a games played bonus coming up that they would prefer to not pay. So that, yeah. so, I mean, I think that's a, it's, it's, it's fine. They, they, another, another point guard that people have always loved being in the locker room with right alongside D'Angelo Russell. So we'll fit in perfectly. But, but just one, one more point, sorry, on just the Lakers stuff to what Very you were point. saying, Dave, about, you know, he's going to be 40 next year. I go, yeah, that's the point. That's why they can't just trade a guy that's still going to require them to be so reliant on LeBron. Like, let's not, we don't have to kind of dance around it. They're going to try to make a run at Donovan Mitchell. If he demands a trade, you know, they're it's, it's putting themselves in those positions. They wouldn't be in those conversations if they trade for DeJounte Murray right now. And I think that's kind of the deal for them and the trades they want to make are going to be able to, to save LeBron so he can play a little longer or for them to be able to survive after LeBron. And I think that's the, that's the the plan for them right there. So, you know, we can go back to, we can circle back to this if they don't do anything in the off season, but I think that's the, the strategy for them. And I think that's actually a smart one. Yeah. Um, Andrew, the Warriors also didn't do anything. Um, they have some pieces that they could have moved. Chris Paul's expiring contract. I think part of this is Atlanta decided it's fine to make the play in and we can make the play in, in the East. And that threw a wrench in a lot of people's plans. I, I, how do you feel about like the Warriors? I mean, do they have a shot at getting into the play-in, you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, they have a shot. And part of that's going to be just getting healthy for them. And hopefully they can get healthy after the All-Star break. And if they do, I think they can make a run at the play-in. But 
let's be honest, I don't think this team is doing any damage in the playoffs this year. And that's fine. They're just kind of at, they're at the end of their cycle. Like this is just like the end of this run and every team has to encounter this and the Warriors. I mean, you can, you can go a couple different ways. You can try to keep this alive and trade assets and trade players, or you can just try to, you know, kill this as gracefully as possible. And I just don't, I just don't think there's like a ton of upside in them, like trading Kaminga, who's been pretty good. Um, I don't think that, um, I don't think they were going to make a deal like with Chris Paul's expiring. That was really going to matter. I really don't. So to me, it's, it's fine to not do anything. I think they're like deadline acquisitions are just going to the hope of getting healthy for them. And then just like making a run, see if you can squeeze into the playoffs and then, Maybe play Denver and give them a scare in round one. You know, I think this is kind of where this is headed if everything kind of breaks right for them. I'll say this. I think that the Kuminga stuff has been great. I was worried Kuminga was a showcase guy, Seth. I was thinking, oh, we're going to put him out there. He's young and we'll go and move him. But the truth is Kuminga is the future for them. This is the guy. I mean, I think this is the guy that next year has got to be – Second to Steph only, as far as being featured. I mean, this is he has made a huge difference for Steph. Steph has been better the last couple of weeks that Kaminga's been on this run. Uh, they they have a pretty good team. I think they're well coached. They're just small. This is a team that lacks athleticism and size, and you can't do both. Unlike OKC, who has great athletes, Warriors don't. They've got like two, and Wiggins is only a sometimes great athlete because the motor just isn't there all the time. So I mean, I. I Seth, look, Steph Curry's still a tier one guy for you, right? You can't waste seasons for a tier one guy. You know, I, you just can't do it. I mean, it's, uh, I think Andrew said it, like, and we've talked about it, like, as as my son shuts the door loudly, like, that's the, the door. <laughs> the door I, is shut. The, the, the door is shut. I mean, I think that it's, that it's not just, it's, it's clay with all the injuries, Draymond no longer being that guy it's Kevon Looney no like talking about them being small Mm -hmm. like Looney has been one of the more underrated bits of their kind of late uh you know late dynasty renaissance has been how how good Looney has been and he's obviously just has isn't that anymore either and so I think that that it's you can say well you can't waste but you know you've been on top for a decade and the cupboard is bare and and you know they uh, ha- haven't been great at, at developing and, and picking up young people. And just, it just, you know, there, there aren't moves to be made. And so it's not, it's, it is not, it may be a waste, but they are not wasting because they didn't have like, it's not like they were, there were things they could have done that would have fixed this. Once you have, you know, Clay making a max and Draymond make it like, well, just, and James still have enough. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and Wiggins turning into a pumpkin and and Kaminga being you know has come on, but I think if they'd have if they'd have had this Kaminga for all of the last two years, they'd be in a much different spot. And instead of it just being kind of a a very good month of play from him, yeah. And and part of having that Kaminga for the past two years would have been to you know actually play him those those past years and let him yeah. play through mistakes with all that things. But they've said it, and I think it's at the end of the day we just look back at that James Wiseman pick. And that was the that was kind of like the major blow to them in that situation and, and, and how these things played out. And Seth's right though, like, you know, these are how runs end. They don't end gracefully. 
I was here usually for they're the worse, Kobe. right? I, I saw the Kobe run end as they're going to Lakers are going to yeah. give him a statue later today. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it ends poorly. A lot of times it's not a lot of teams get to ride off in the sunset and, and say like, all right, we're good. Everybody hangs on too long. And I think that's just where the warriors are at right now. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's a good time to wrap up. You guys got any closing thoughts as we move on from another trade deadline? You think I have more to say? I know. <laughs> so I, we, we, we talked about there not being, um, uh, you know, the big moves of the deadline. That's because the big moves happened with OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam and James Harden already. And so yeah. we've gotten the big in-season trades we would have gotten. They just happened earlier. And frankly, I think that that represents wisdom on the part of teams to to come to good deals before it's like you're up against the gun and then then every, someone panics that they might be getting a bad deal and then everything falls apart. So I think that's the lesson we've seen probably the last two deadlines. Andrew? Yeah, I, th- I think like the contenders in the league just know that they're contenders and they're they are who they are, you know, for the most part, teams don't make teams that are like contenders don't make massive deals at the deadline. It's usually teams shuffling deck chairs behind them. And so we kind of saw the same thing this year and likely the the team that's going to win it all didn't do a whole lot here at the deadline. And so I think uh, it's going to be interesting to see now that like all these deals are done. We're going to have some buyout guys that we're going to overrate here in the next you know week or Can't so, <laughs> but Overall, I think this has been one of the more fun NBA seasons to watch and there because there are so many good NBA teams, and I'm just intrigued to see it just be about basketball moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be a pretty good rest of the year. I'm looking forward. The playoff race has just been just getting started, but it feels intense already, and that's, that's crazy for February. Maybe it was the in-season tournament, and it carried us through. I don't know. But I like a boring deadline, and this was yeah, – it was okay. Not too exciting. Not too many big names move. Just some marginal stuff on the on the edges. That's going to do it for this week, folks. Thank you guys for tuning in. For Seth Partnow, Mo DeKeel, and Andrew Schleck, I'm Dave Before, and this has been Nerder, she wrote, on the Athletic NBA Show.